This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Sustainable-ish podcast, the home of imperfect eco-action. How are you doing? Thank you so much for joining me. It is really wonderful. I know I say it every time, but it really is wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Now, before we dive into today's episode, a couple of quick things I wanted to let you know about. The doors to the Sustainable-ish clubhouse are open for the next week. The clubhouse is part membership, part course, part awesome community for anyone looking for a bit more support to either make a start or to keep on taking the next steps when it comes to all things sustainable-ish. We've currently got just over a hundred extraordinary, ordinary women inside the clubhouse. It's not just restricted to women, men are very welcome, but at the moment we've just got women. And I say extraordinary because they really are brilliant. And I say ordinary because, and I know they won't mind me saying this, they're no different to you and me. They are also generally exhausted, running on coffee and chocolate and fumes, juggling all the things and trying to shoehorn being a bit greener into their already overcrowded lives. But still, they are making stuff happen. Sometimes tiny little steps, sometimes bigger strides, and all of them are cheered and celebrated inside the clubhouse. And sometimes when we take backward steps, we can commiserate together as well. Uh, The support that they give each other is absolutely just phenomenal. And if you've been feeling a little bit lonely and a little bit like no one else really gets it, then this really is the place for you. So we have a monthly theme. October is all things sustainable-ish Christmas. There, I've said it. I said the C word. Sorry, not sorry. It feels way too early for a disorganised type like me. But apparently, the earlier we get started, and not apparently, we all know this is true, the earlier we get started, the more likely we are to be able to make better decisions. That's the theory anyway. We also have regular group calls, a whole resource library you can access at any time and a monthly book club. We had our last one last night and it was really good fun. So if that sounds like something you might enjoy and find helpful, I will pop the link into the show notes, which you can find at www.asustainablelife.co.uk forward slash podcast. Okay, secondly, the October and November dates for the Sustainable-ish Carbon Literacy courses are filling up fast. Carbon literacy, I'm sure you've heard me talk about it before, is eight hours worth of training. Um, I split it up on my courses into either four two-hour sessions or two four-hour sessions, so you can pick whichever works for you. 
And it covers the basics of climate science, dives a little bit into climate justice, explores the different scenarios that lie ahead of us, and then super importantly sees us create an action plan for some carbon cutting pledges. And you even get a shiny certificate at the end of it. So again, I will pop the link for that in the show notes. But if you are um, scribbling things down, you can find that at asustainablelife.co.uk forward slash carbon hyphen literacy. I think that's right anyway. Okay, enough of that. On with today's show. And it is another cracker. And it's all about football, which I have to confess, I'm not really a fan. (laughs) feel bad saying that. Um, And it's certainly not an area I would usually associate with sustainability. And let's be honest, if we're not afraid of stereotyping, then maybe I wouldn't have pegged football fans as big ecotypes either. Today's guest is part of an organisation that is looking to change all of that and to harness the power of sport in general and football in particular to drive sustainable change. Rich Holmes is part of Planet League, a frankly brilliant idea that encourages football fans to sign up for their favourite team and then score goals for them by doing some simple eco actions. I cannot tell you how much I love it. Sport is a huge part of so many of our lives and it's a huge unifier. And as we'll discuss in the podcast, it has almost permission to engage fans in their everyday lives because if we're avid fans it really can feel part of our identity and it's not just fans that Planet League are influencing they're also working with many of the country's top clubs to support them to go greener too. This really is a fascinating episode I hope you enjoy it and please do share it with any schools, local football clubs or football fans in your life. The next Planet League Cup is kicking off on the 10th of October and I'm going to see if I can get my husband and son to sign up for it. Enjoy. Hello, Rich. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jen. Nice to be uh, Nice to be on. I was just saying before we hit record that I've been meaning to get in touch with you guys for ages. Every time I see a tweet of yours or something, I'm like, oh, I must get in touch with them to see if they come on the podcast and then I get distracted by squirrels or whatever it is and um but now you're finally here so I'm really really chuffed tell everyone who you are and what you do yeah so uh we are Planet League well I am Rick from the Planet League um, but we are Planet League more importantly and our role is what we're trying to achieve is effectively creating a, a new generation of sustainable football fans so we offer a competitive tournament that basically gets football fans engaged in, in climate action uh, and using kind of soft nudges so they're, they're taking part to represent their football team. So we're talking here about people who might not otherwise do much for the planet, might not otherwise think sustainably. They're probably aware of the issues, but not necessarily engaged in, in personal action. And we, we try and get them on that journey by getting them to, to represent the football club and, and playing off football rivalries against each other and things like that. That's that's the, the kind of top line. Yeah. So so where did this idea come from? I'm assuming you're a football fan. Yeah. You're going to say, no, I hate the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not interested at all. <laughs> so yeah, my, my background's in football. Uh, I worked for, for 12 years at, at West Bromwich Albion, despite being an Aston Villa fan. Um, Tom and James, our, our two co-founders, both have uh, backgrounds in sustainability specifically and are football fans. So it kind of, it was a, how do we 
how do we combat this issue really how do we get football fans on board with with taking action and, and trying to do their bit for the planet and, and it kind of came about from there really amazing so I've got so many questions for you and I was just looking through the website earlier um so I come to the website and let's pretend um okay let's pretend I'm like my husband or my son because stereotypically the men in in the family quite like football and I'm not that bothered they're Arsenal fans okay I don't know if that's good or bad for you with West Brom and Aston Villa probably uh, I don't know um so they come along and or or I go to them, oh, I've just found this really exciting thing because I'm constantly trying to drag them along with doing stuff. And they're not really that, you know, the kids aren't really <laughs> that engaged and uh, whinging at me for serving up another veggie meal, that kind of thing. And and I say, right, will you have a look at this? What do they what do they do? So they they sign up and in the process of signing up, they assign themselves to their football club. So they would choose Arsenal, as, as you just mentioned. And are all the Premier League teams on there? So we've got right now, as we're speaking, we've got 17 Premier League teams out of 20. Oh, OK. Wow. We only put a, a club on there when we're kind of working with them and we've had those conversations. So, Oh, tell, tell me how that works then, because I just assumed you'd like whack on Arsenal and Arsenal would have no no knowledge really of what you're doing. How um, How have you managed to have conversations with the clubs and how are they involved other than putting their name to a team? Yeah, so um, we, we tend to start with a community programme. So every every football club has a what's called a foundation or a, a club community organisation. And their their role is to, they're, they're usually charities, 99% of the time. And they go out into the local community. They provide, you know, football training sessions for um, children in the local area, you know, whether deprived or not, all, all kinds of things. They do school programmes and engagement. So their job is to, engage the community in, in sports, in education, and, and often in, in many other things. So through COVID, we saw all kinds of, you know, meal deliveries and mm. things like that. Very, very proactive in the community. So we, we start working with those guys and, and help them to uh, embed sustainability into their work through fan and community engagement. And that's that's kind of where we work. So how did those conversations, because how long have you guys been going? Uh two years really so the first club you approached I don't know if you remember who it was it was probably your West West Brom was it if you were working yeah, with them started um so when I first got involved I was still working at West Brom uh, and there were four clubs taking part as a, a pilot project and off the top of my head that was Nottingham Forest, Notts County, West Brom and Derby maybe because it's not necessarily a natural link is it like we might see the link between football and mental health or you know because a lot of footballers talk about that and it's becoming something that we're all uh, encouraged to talk about much much more but so when you first sort of went to these clubs with this idea were they like what what are you on about like why are we even talking about this or has it been on their agenda for a little while so indirectly, yes. So so football clubs and, and especially their community programmes, um, community programmes are focused on something called social action, you know, getting children and young people to, to go and make change in, in their own locality and, and social environments. Now, you ask a child what they want to do in terms of social action and nine times out of 10, they come back to environmental work in some way, shape or form, whether it's a, a loose connection or not. So we were supporting them in, in, in that sense. Now, what has happened certainly over the last 12 months is both football clubs and these foundation partners um, 
have got a lot more responsibility and reporting requirements on sustainability specifically. So it is something that's been coming at them from from so many angles. There's new legislation, isn't there, that if you earn a, if you have over a certain turnover, that you have to then now start reporting on sustainability and stuff. And is 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 it that that's come into force and applies to football clubs because of their turnover, or is it a different set of rules? It's um it's probably partly that as well. But the the people that they report to, so especially these um, community programs, they receive funding from. Oh, okay, yeah the charitable fund and others and, and they they request certain things from them so um all of their partners and you know especially even commercial partners now of are asking the question you know what are you doing about sustainability so it's, mm. it's, it's kind of coming from so many angles and the pressure's coming from fans now as well who amazing you know, want to see this and you know football's been such a driving force in so many other social campaigns so we've seen racism campaigns we've yes. seen um, you know, gender equality and LGBTQ plus and, and all these different social campaigns through football, changing mindsets, changing attitudes and changing behaviours. But we haven't yet seen it in sustainability. And, and you know, that's that's what we're trying to, to get to and mm. uh, making some headway with. So those those initial four, they were quite open and receptive and up for up for having a go. Yeah, it was a, it was a very much a pilot program back then, and you know, and, and I started as a participant in the pilot program rather than an employee of Planet League, um, and and it, it grew from there. And then you know, I had other connections at other clubs in the game, and just gradually we, we kind of snowballed, and you know, we're at seventy four football clubs. I think we're working with as of today, and, and that wow. number just keeps ticking upwards. So you've got seventeen of the twenty Premier League teams, and then obviously teams in the lower leagues as well there's 92 football clubs in england um in, in the professional leagues in yeah. england uh so we've got 74 i think partners in wow. total uh three of those are in the national league which just fits outside of the the english professional league and one is in scotland um and the rest are you know premier league championship league one and league two clubs and their their charity arms as well amazing so so like i said i i point my son to your website he comes he signs up for arsenal if if you know, you're one of the minority of teams that aren't on there. You can just pick and just pick another one at the moment, can you? Or can you can you email your team and say, "I'd really love you guys to be on Planet League." Does that help? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's definitely what we encourage. So they can pick another team, and, and you know, we do have the option then to transfer. So if, if oh, okay, <laughs> a transfer window, yeah, yeah, the transfer window is always open, as we say. So they can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we you know we'd actively encourage that, and you know s- some clubs we we tend to get most clubs joining with us. Um, yeah. But it's what what would happen is you would choose your football club, and as soon as you're you're kind of registered against your club, you can score goals by doing any number of activities. So we've come up with over 150 activities that you can complete, and each one is worth a different weight of goals scored for your awesome. team based yeah. on the impact. Um, and it's kind of different motivators then because some people will join and, you know, they're joining very much to do something for the planet and to get that environmental kick and, and tracking their impact yes. over time. And they're doing it very much for footballing reasons. And it's, you know, I want my club to win and I'll do anything to help them win. And then yeah. they're learning about this climate action journey along the way and, and changing their own behaviours through the footballing lens rather than yeah. through the, the environmental lens. Yeah, and it's it's actually a really lovely, quite gentle way to start like a climatey conversation 
with someone, you know, with a friend or a colleague or someone at school. And it's really hard. You know, I talk about the importance of talking about climate a lot, but it's really hard, isn't it? And so actually for my 11 year old to go into school and say to a couple of his mates who play football, oh, I've signed up for this and I'm with Arsenal and I'm going to like really try and score some goals for them. Like, you know, you support Arsenal. Do you want to come and join me? Or, you know, we're going to absolutely smash Tottenham or whoever it is. That's just actually a really, that sounds like a much easier conversation for a lot of people to have, um, you know, and especially maybe for a lot of young people who I know we we have this, um, we see a lot of really active and vocal young people in the media, but certainly my perception from, you know, my kids at their school is that there are a lot of kids who are just quite apathetic about it and not really, it's not very cool, I think, for a certain age group to get involved in this. But if we can get in on a different angle. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I mean, my daughter's 13 and probably very much fits into that boat of it's it's not very cool to talk about <laughs> you know it's you have those things when you when you're at school don't you and you know trying to put that footballing lens on it certainly helps with that and I mean the other thing it helps with is a lot of people are scared to talk about it even you know teachers and, and parents because they don't want to provoke climate anxiety yeah. and actually by looking at it from a positive line saying we're going to reward you for this. Here's some goals for your team. Yes. Here's the positive difference you've made. Action orientated. Than, yeah, 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 yeah. Rather than this is your carbon footprint. This is all the bad stuff you're doing. We're saying this is what you've saved. This is mm. the goals that you've sold. We're putting a very positive light on it. So that that can help to reduce that anxiety and, and provoke those positive discussions and start that conversation through football, which is... For the most part, you know, it's, it's not everybody, but for the most part, it's a universal language. And you know, yeah. there's like three and a half billion football fans on the planet. Yeah. It's, it's a, huge, a huge way to have those conversations. And you have a, a programme specifically for schools, don't you? Yeah, we do. Um, schools have been a, a huge part of, of the work that we've done so far. And it is very much open to the wider football audience. But we have a specific schools programme. So, so these club community organisations that are working out in, in the local community and in education settings. We've kind of worked to create a um, classroom education pack, which is sustainability through football, uh, cross-curricular approach. It, it helps helps kind of just introduce those topics in a light-hearted way. Um, we don't insist that it's used. And, you know, some clubs, some schools have their own climate curriculums in place already which is fantastic and they can still use our program as a an add-on to that without needing to use our resources but we've got something that is a if you don't have anything in place here's here's a starting point here's something you can use it provokes those discussions it gets people thinking and ultimately the main outcome is now that you've learned this little bit what can you do and and it's going away and taking that action and, and that social action that we mentioned earlier on about what children, young people, their families and the, the wider community can actually do to make a positive difference. And isn't there a like a little league, a spe- school specific league or there's a special competition or something, isn't there? Yeah, so we, we did, uh, all, all of our leagues are generally around the football club. So when we have a tournament live, you'll see a league table of all the football clubs that are taking part and their fans action is is what drives them up. And oh, so down you'll have a like a, spe- so it's not like the FA Cup, but you'll have a, a tournament that's, like literally grade ranking the clubs on their the goals that their supporters have scored through doing eco actions and you'll Absolutely. do that for a, like a season or a six-week period or whatever 
Yeah, so it's usually around six weeks. And the beauty of that is normally a fan is sitting in the stands completely helpless to what goes on on the pitch. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> yes. they are, you know, they are ultimately responsible for whether their club win, lose or draw. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. Have all of the power and, and they are the ones scoring the goals. So it's not, you know, waiting for hundred million pound signings or, you know, a new football player to come in and change your team's fortunes. Anybody can do it. Um, but yeah, we, we do, you know, so we mentioned your son earlier signing up for Arsenal. He then has the choice to go on and add his school if he likes oh, onto okay. that as well. So any goal he scores counts for Arsenal, but it also counts for his school. So we oh, then have okay. a table where any school that's taking part is, is in the same league table. And, you know, so you've got football clubs on one page competing, schools on another page competing, which means that St. Mary's Primary School in Birmingham, I'm, I'm making that up, although yeah. I'm sure... Um, <laughs> They might have 200 children representing 30 different football clubs. Yes. All of those goals combined still count for St Mary's Primary School, but they count separately for 30 different football clubs as well. Yeah. So it separates that a little bit. Double the incentive to, to yeah. school goals. And is the um, the resources and things that you've got, are they mainly primary school focused? Right now we've got uh, Key Stage 1, 2 and 3. So oh, okay, cool. Yeah. You want to year 8 or 9. I'm forgetting there. I should know this because my daughter's going into year nine. Yeah. <laughs> if your kids are part of a, you know, a grassroots football club as well, just a general local one, is there anything that they can do to get that team involved? Um, so not directly for that team. And, and that's just purely a quantity thing right now. Mm. What we've done, uh, we, our next tournament that kicks off in October, what we're launching is um, support from county football associations. So, Every grassroots football club, wherever they are in the country, will be affiliated to, you know, Birmingham FA or Manchester FA or Liverpool FA or whoever it is. Uh, and we, we have a league table then for that county football association. So what that means is they can encourage their grassroots network as a, a kind of collaborative force because, you know, some some local football clubs will have one team of 12 under 10 players and that is it. Yes. Whereas other clubs will have... 400 teams from under sixes to under 21s and boys and girls and everything. And it's kind of not a level playing field, so to speak. So they can, they can have like a local collaborative effort and their goals can then count, you know, so you've got your football club that you support, you've got your school, you've got your County football association as well. Um, So that can get, you know, the, the local grassroots community involved. And we're looking at activities to help make, you know, a, training session on a Tuesday evening in the local park or a, a under 10s fixture on a Sunday morning, you know, um, how we can make those greener as well and, and kind of start to provoke those discussions, thoughts and actions around even even those contexts as well. Yeah, I love those because there were some specific actions, weren't there, on the site. Can you run through some of the easy wins, I guess, if someone is listening and they've got a kid who plays or they're involved in a football club in any way, how can they make because I want to come on and ask you in a minute about, you know, what is the impact of football, I guess, generally. And, and uh, you know, when we think about the big clubs and things, but as, on a small club level, what what can we do? Yeah, often travel is one of the, the biggest areas that can be focused on. And, and sometimes, you know, especially if you've got an away game and it's not local, that, that can be an issue how you travel sustainably. But, you know, you've got simple solutions like carpooling and, and sharing transport with other people or, you know, often public transport can be an option, depending on where you live. It becomes more challenging the more rural you are, I guess. But there's there's always solutions. And then you've got little things like 
every time I speak to a grassroots football coach or a county FA or anybody in that sector, it's their biggest issue is single-use plastics after a game and having to not only the litter, but also somebody actually having to go and deal with that and, and pick it all up. And, you know, how easy is it to get a reusable sports bottle? And, and you know, those kind of things that make a little difference or parents watching the game and they fancy a coffee and instead of bringing a, their own thermos coffee cup that can be refilled, they have a polystyrene one, you know, there's just little wins like that. And then you've got other things like when you get home from the game, just those little things like sticking the kit on an eco wash instead of a, you know, it's, there's so many little wins that people don't think about that add up. And if everybody does them, they really make a difference. Yeah, definitely. So the impact of football in general, I mean, I I, I don't know if I got into a, a slight Twitter spat, but I think I certainly retweeted it or, or made some comment on a, a football team that had, they weren't a Premier League team. I can't remember who they were, but they flew like a really short distance that would have taken like two hours on a train, like literally. And for them, that was a really good thing because it was like, we're on our way. We're you know, we can afford to, well, I don't know whether it was cheaper or not, but, you know, like it was a prestige thing. It was a, you know, being seen to be like one of the big boys or whatever it was, but they felt like it was a really good thing. So travel is bound to be a big part, especially with internationals and things. Um, but do we have any idea what the carbon footprint of football generally is? Uh, don't quote me on this, but I, I have <laughs> stick, um that a colleague dug out for me the other day that suggested that football was responsible for 0.4% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Okay. Um, how accurate that is, I don't know, but I do trust him because he's usually pretty good. I mean, it's really hard to gauge as with anything. And, you know, I'm sure we'll speak a little bit about the scope F stuff if you've seen mm, that yes. a little bit, but, you know, where do you draw the line of... Yes. of Football scope one emissions versus it's scope three emissions and someone else's scope. It's just, it's so hard to, to draw the line in that. But, you know, it, everybody has a part to play in any industry. And football is so influential in, in people's lives that, you know, and it is starting to wake up. There are still problems. There are still, um, like you mentioned, message, problems mm. in message. You know, it's, it's getting the message whether we go top down or bottom up, it's got to get there. We're, we're moving in the right direction is, is what I would say, but it's, there's certainly still problems. Some clubs I've seen, um, is it Norwich City? Is that Delia Smith's? What's is the team that are vegan? Uh, that's Forest Green Rovers. Forest Green Rovers. And they're, they're the one that Dale Vince from Ecotricity is involved in, isn't it? Yeah. So they have all their catering and things on site is all vegan, isn't it? And Am I right in saying that like on match days, the players are served vegan food and all that kind of thing? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, They've got a great setup over there and, you know, vegan catering and anything surrounding club time and, and you know, training or, or club provided food is is all vegan. And um, so they're, they're doing some really, really top class stuff in, in their own climate commitments. Yeah. And then the other team that I've seen really recently is I think Reading Football Club have just got a new strip that's um uh I'll I'll post a picture of it in the show notes for everybody but um a guy called Ed Hawkins who's a professor at Reading University has come up with this amazing graphic which is the warming stripes and he's given a different color band to every year from about 1850 and I've seen people you know with face masks with it on I saw somebody today actually on LinkedIn had made a dress out of it but the the team have got a football 
strip that now incorporates that. I think it's on the sleeve and part of it, isn't it? And it's had a really mixed response, hasn't it? It seems like quite a marmite thing, but that's part of it is that it's kick-started a conversation, hasn't it? Whether the fans love it or hate it, it started a conversation about what it is and why it's there. You're absolutely right. And it's it's just such a brilliant way of starting that conversation because football kits are one of those things that, I mean, first of all, there's the question of, do we need a new kit every season? Which yeah. I think Brentford kept the same kit for two years. Oh, amazing. That was a positive. But, it, you know, if you've got a way of provoking conversation yeah. like that, and personally, I think it looks amazing, regardless of the, you know, the connotations of it. But it's just such a simple way of provoking that discussion. And actually, I, I think that people having a, some people having a negative response, in my opinion, is a good thing because that means more people are going to talk about it. Yes. Yeah, so definitely. Everybody just says, oh, this is brilliant. It very quickly gets forgotten about. Actually, we want that discussion. We want people talking about it. And it's, it's just a, such a simple win for them. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's superb. I think it's brilliant. And have you got any other examples of clubs that have done some good stuff to cut their own footprint or to sort of kickstart some conversations? There's there's great stuff going on all over the country so often. You know, um, Tottenham and Chelsea played last year and, and did what was called Game Zero. And, you know, as with all of these things, there's always going to be somebody criticising or, or suggesting things or saying it's not perfect. And, you know, is perfection what we're striving towards is another question. <laughs> But they did uh, Game Zero where they really encouraged, you know, fan travel and vegan options and all these kind of things to do with how you can make that match day greener. We saw Southampton and Arsenal uh, a little bit later in the season did their greener game and Southampton's halo effect, they call it, um, because their nickname is the Saints. So their halo effect programme is is absolutely sensational and some of the stuff that they're doing around their own climate initiatives You've got um, Tottenham and Liverpool are both top of the uh, Sport Positive League table this year. Uh, so some of the work that they're doing around climate, environment and messaging and their own policies is great. But you've, you've really got to dive down into the operations of each individual club. Yeah, and there's, there's so much going on. You know, you hear things of like rainwater harvesting from um, stadium roofs and, you know, renewable energy and all these kind of edible coffee cups and things like that. You know, just these little one percent that either start a discussion or, or make a bit of a difference and, mm. and really add up. Now, I guess the the I don't know if it's a usual argument, but an argument would be that's great encouraging the fans to be making all these little tweaks and stuff. But these footballers earning obscene amounts of money are not known for living low carbon lifestyles. A how involved are any of them, some of them in this? And B, I guess, how can we encourage them to, to get on board with this? And, and because, you know, if you get somebody like, I don't know, Cristiano Ronaldo putting out messages about, I'm not flying because, or, you know, I've chosen to sell three of my homes. I don't know what it is, but do you know, like that's immense, isn't it? You're absolutely right. And I mean, a, a great example of what you're just talking about is um, a player called Ben Mee, who transferred from Burnley to Brentford, I want to say. And he put out a social media post about, and again, this isn't perfect, but it starts these discussions and shows that people are thinking about it, about the, the carbon footprint of a transfer that probably involves a lot of travel, especially when you're going from Burnley in the northeast to London. And, and you know, he was... His, his answer to that was that he was going to offset all of the carbon emitted from his transfer, effectively. 
and you know we could open up a debate about offsetting right but yes yeah it's the start isn't it and it, it's somebody actually recognizing that something yes. isn't perfect and trying to take action to, to work towards that honestly i think the biggest issue is I, I think there will be an awful lot of players out there who really want to do more and really want to talk about it more but actually i think the biggest problem is people's response to that they are nervous and scared about the response from the fan base about anything they say because it's always a yeah but you do this yes. rather than taking it as a positive and it's the same for everybody right you and I aren't perfect yeah it's about striving to do those little bits and start that journey and progress that journey and you know some of these players will have very expensive sports cars that yes it's all through gas like nobody's business and if that's the case and they have a a vegan meal one night when they get home they're not going to talk about that because the response is yeah but you drive a Lamborghini yes they almost feel like they can't talk about these things they know that there are other parts of their life that will be criticized and it it happens in in, no matter what you say there is always a criticism there's always a bounce back and that happens tenfold in football Mm. and I talked about this on a, a podcast I recorded a couple of weeks ago and I don't know what order these will come out in but um, we were talking about, you know, the role of kind of leaders, I guess, and influencers in um, climate messaging and, and climate action. And and I um, flagged up Gary Lineker, who's been doing some great stuff on Twitter. I don't know if, you, if you've been following him, but the interesting thing, I think, is that when you get this message coming from Gary Lineker or this footballer that you just mentioned, or it's coming from an unexpected place. It's not Greta, it's not David Attenborough, it's not, you know, the people that you, you, you people might roll their eyes out or say, well, of course they're going to say that, or they don't even follow them because why would they follow them? Because that's not their bag and they're not eco and all that sort of thing. But when you get, you start getting this messaging coming at you from so many different areas, whether that's football, whether that's work, whether, you know, whatever it is, it really, that feels almost more impactful than, you know, Obviously, obviously, Gary Lineker tweeting is more impactful than me tweeting. But, you know, it's like my friend down the road who's never done, I don't think they've ever done anything eco in their life. If they suddenly posted something, I'd be like, oh, my God. And that would be huge because they're having a conversation that they haven't had before and engaging other people who aren't in the same space. But that's huge, I think. You're absolutely right. And and I think people need to realise that actually that that's the case and it's not about perfection. And, you know, it's it's and I I don't want to start a conversation about some protesters and things like that but every time I see a protest the response is about clothing with plastic yes but you've got a phone (laughs) and that's always and and that's what I go back to about footballers is you know there are some out there that that talk about this topic so um David Wheeler at Wickham Wondrous is is a fantastic example he's he's very passionate about this and talks about it quite regularly you've got uh, Patrick Bamford at Leeds who talks about it and then you know uh, Katie Rude who's just signed for hearts in in the women's game and others so there are footballers out there who are talking about these issues um but I, I do feel like that barrier to more is the response they know what they will get from fans. And and that's the same with a lot of people. It's fear of criticism. But I mean, the abuse that Gary Lineker gets on, you know, you you follow one of the the threads and you scroll down and it's, you know, it's like that never read the comments um, on the Daily Mail article. It's, you know, it's like that. And I think the other, this, this is something that holds everybody back. I think not, not just uber rich footballers or whatever, but the, you know, the idea that you'll then get, 
you'll poke the climate deniers or you'll poke, you know, and, and then you're sort of thinking, well, do I have to try and defend this? And I don't really feel like I have the expertise or the knowledge or, oh, and they're saying this stuff and I don't know what to say to them. So actually it's easier for me just not to, to say anything. And so I can, I can understand why they don't, but I'm wondering how we, you know, how, 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 how can, <laughs> this sounds stupid, how can we help them to have that conversation? But I guess initiatives like this are making start to become part of the conversation almost giving them that permission to be able to talk about it yeah it, that, that's exactly right and it's it's just to start to talk about it in soft ways I guess mm. you know you've got different how do I say these different strengths of the message you can you can go right to the extreme and say right you're never allowed to get in a car again you're never mm. allowed to eat Again, you're never allowed to drink milk again. You've got to walk every, and, and you've got to get rid of your phone. You've got to do, and and the response to that from 99% of people is, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and you know, you you've got to start embedding these soft touches and these. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. We're all on a journey. Can what steps can you take? What steps are you willing to take? Those that you're not, are you, are you willing to maybe you know you, you enjoy eating meat? Okay, well maybe you could reduce it by one day a week yeah 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 definitely these compromises that because you know if if a million people dropped meat one day a week that's more impactful than a hundred people going vegan right yeah 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 I, i'm making that up on the spot yeah. I'm not, <laughs> please don't shoot me down or get in my comments because uh but you know it's it, it's it's getting people on that journey and taking those small steps and that journey then hopefully continues and I think the fact that with the thing that you guys are doing and is is the fact that you can see the impact of that and you can see something change, even if it's the position of your team on the league table or whatever, like because so much climate action is so hard to see a result of. And you just think, oh, what's the point? But actually, you're joining together with all the other people who support Arsenal or Tottenham or whoever. And you can see that that, you know, your your goal adds to their goals and that moves them up the league and all that sort of thing. So it's it's um it's hugely powerful. And actually, a sentence I picked off your website, and I probably should have brought it up earlier. I think it, it was it was talking about this Scope F paper, which I really wanted to, to talk to you about. But you've put on there, sport has permission to engage fans in their everyday lives. And I kind of love it, but I'm not sure that I understand. I, I think I understand what you mean. But can you just explain that idea about having permission? I'll give you a, an example from my own life. So I do my weekly shop at Aldi. I'm a, I'm a customer of Aldi. If I go into Aldi and buy my food every week, the only influence they have over my life is what is or isn't on the shelf. As soon as I leave Aldi and I've got my food, I don't think about Aldi anymore, right? Other supermarkets are available. (laughs) Aldi are just crying into their tea at the moment. (laughs) You're not thinking about them every waking moment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, I'm an Aston Villa fan. Technically, I am a customer of Aston Villa Football Club, right? But... That goes beyond just when I'm watching them on the telly or going to a game or, you know, that that's more than just the equivalent of my weekly shop. It's kind of a part of your identity, really, isn't it? Exactly. And, and, and that's what we mean. You know, football clubs have an influence over people's lives that other businesses and other industries don't have. Mm. It does have the ability to influence behaviours and attitudes and shape beliefs. And it's just got this unique sense that that can just drift into people's lives and and help with this behavior change and this attitude change that we so desperately need Mm. that's what we mean by that it's you know football football clubs 
if you are a supporter of that club, they do have, you know, it is a sense of identity. It's, that's, that's a great way of putting it. It's, but it's very, it, it is very tribal, isn't it? Football is very, that, 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 you know, you get that sense that, that people are in there. And that's part of human nature is feeling like you belong to a team and a tribe. And it's very important that we feel that sense of belonging. And actually, so making sustainability part of that tribal identity, gosh, wow, what a way to, to get that into people's lives. Yeah, and, and and that's that's what we because a lot of people that get involved in this, and you know, we we've got case studies of families who they they weren't doing anything climate or environmental whatsoever, and they got involved in this for their football club. And and when I worked at West Brom, there's a, and he won't mind me saying this, is a, a guy called Carl and his family. Um, and Carl was very much in that boat, massive, really, really passionate West Bromwich Albion fan, and. They, they weren't thinking about environmental sustainability. Aware of the issues? Yes. Doing anything? No. They got involved in this campaign. They got involved. Why? They wanted to win it for West Brom. <laughs> and along the way, they learned these behaviours and some of these behaviours have stuck. And, and that's that's the very nature and the very purpose of what we're trying to achieve is help people on that journey. And, you know, here's something small you can do. Here's the difference it makes. Here's the impact or the positive impact that you've made as a result of this. Can you keep it going? You're helping your football club as well, you know. Amazing. So we've both mentioned this scope F um, thing. (laughs) Can you explain what that is? And is that something that you guys at Planet League have come up with or is that a sport-wide initiative? Yeah, it's it's something that we've come up with. It it was kind of um, termed from uh, scope X, which is something that Futera coined around the impacts of influence. Um, oh, okay. A great, a great TED talk from uh, Solitaire from from Vutera, uh, talking about Scopex and, and this emissions of influence. And so it, it's I'll find kind that of a, and I'll link to it in the show notes so people are yeah. trying to frantically find it. Yeah. And so Scope F is F is for fans. And so football clubs, as with any other organisation, will be looking at their Scope One, Two, and Three emissions and how they can reduce them. And and what we're saying here is that. Scope F is, is exactly what we were just talking about. So that permission to, to go into people's everyday lives, you know, let's take a football club like Liverpool, right, with a, a global fan base, a huge football club with tens, if not hundreds of millions of fans. OK, now on a match day, 60,000 or however many the capacity of Anfield right, fans will go to that game and, and watch Liverpool play. And Liverpool can influence the fans in the stadium by talking about something, by commercial sponsors, by whatever it might be. But actually, the fan base is a lot bigger than that. There's so many fans in Liverpool, around Liverpool, in the UK and globally that follow that football club. And the football club has an influence over those fans, not only on a match day, not only when Liverpool are playing at home or away, but anytime they like. And so Scope, Scope F is saying that a football club can influence the behaviours, the attitudes of its fans and, and influence this positive climate action just through simple messaging, through simple demonstrating, through involvement in campaigns like ours, just through that power of influence. And the impact of that is astronomical in comparison to scope one, two and three. So um, just for people who are like, what the hell are, are they on about with these scopes? Um, and I always get muddled up with this and start to glaze over. So just really quickly, as uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, scope one is something like, um, I knew I was going to get these wrong, is the, the heat that you directly burn. So it will be like your uh, heating or 
your petrol you put in your cars and things is that right and then scope two is I don't know but it's a way of measuring measuring emissions and scope three is always the hardest one to measure because it will be all your indirect emissions and you know like the um how your players are traveling and all those kinds of um things like that and but actually you've added this scope f onto it um and as you say so a football club probably can with a with a little bit of help and expertise measure its scope one one and two really easily scope three with a little bit more difficulty but actually the its own carbon footprint will be dwarfed by these scope f emissions that it can have an influence over yeah, and and it's it will be extremely difficult to calculate, and yes. we're not <laughs> that starts happening. But you know, there's so many crossovers as well. You know, somebody's scope three is somebody else's scope one. Yes, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's probably not like bedtime reading. That no, somebody, no, no. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, the, the best way to paint this example is on a match day in any football stadium in the country. You could change your, you could reduce your scope one emissions by doing something like changing your floodlights to LED right simple way general operations scope two you could get a renewable energy supplier instead of a non-renewable energy supplier scope three you can encourage fans to travel to the game sustainably rather than driving in individual cars there's three really quick examples of of the scopes now scope f suggests that all those you know that those fans that are watching at home watching on the tv not on a match day in their general everyday lives in millions of households all over the country can take these little behaviours in their own households, which is impacting beyond just what's happening at the stadium or on the matcher. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just looking at the um, the section on your website. It's not just football, is it? You've got some other sports involved as well. Yeah, so there's there's a few of the sports that have, have put their name to, to the, the paper and, and supported us with that. Um, Sale GP and, and Formula E and, you know, it's it's it's... This isn't a, a football specific thing. Mm. This is a sports thing, you know, because football clubs are the best example, certainly in this country, of that sense of identity and that tribal feeling that people have. But, you know, you've only got to look in America to see the same with basketball and American yes. football, baseball and, you know, cricket in India and, and sports all over the all over the world that have similar impacts on people's lives scope f is, is you know it's a, definitely a sports approach rather than strictly football i love it i love it um so if people are listening and they've got either they're avid football fans um so if you're an avid football fan you can come and is uh, can you remember it's planetleague.com are you i can't remember .co.uk planetleague.co.uk and your socials uh, at Planet League, but League is LGE, so at Planet LGE. Okay, brilliant. So we can come and we can, you know, find our team and sign up. If our team aren't on there, do we just tweet them? Like, who's the person most likely to listen if we want to get them on it from our one little email? You could absolutely tweet them. I'm not sure that would get picked up because it's mm. probably likely to go to the social media person. Yeah. Too much about this, so I, I would write a letter to, okay. to the club, yeah, um, or an email. If, you know, whichever you prefer. And that would just be their general info at or hello at or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Those kind of things people will, will hopefully pay attention. But but as I say, most most clubs are working with are us now. Hope, yeah. Hopefully we'll get there one day where all of them are on there. And if we've got uh, young people at home who are really into football, obviously we can, you know, share share the website with them, but maybe drop the head teacher or the whoever an email and see if they want to get involved. And there's a tournament coming up in October. Yeah, we've got a five week tournament kicking off on the 10th of October. Um, so we're looking at, you know, 75 to 80 football clubs, schools all over the country. 
Um, and we'd love as many people to take part as possible. It's completely free for anybody to engage with, with this tournament. So, mm. you know, if you're a teacher listening or a, a family listening, you know, there's, there's no cost. Um, it is about that positive action and trying to make a difference and, and having a bit of fun with it as well. Yeah, definitely. And then the last one is if if people are involved in a football club, a grassroots football club, there, there's a will there be a drop down of the different uh, county levels? Yeah. So when you sign up, we only ask for your football club. So it's it's a you know an email address and a password. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. It's a username and it's your football club, and that is it. And then you've got kind of a settings tab on the homepage where you have the option to add a school, a county, oh, okay, a um, and that's only because not everybody signing up will want to add a school, mm. um, but everyone's going to want to add a football club. So, you know, once you've signed up, you then add your, your school and your, your county FA afterwards. So that, that's only if they've sort of agreed to be on there and signed up for it, is it? Or could I just randomly go and add my kids school? Actually, every school in the country is on the platform. Um, Amazing. Selected. Now, I think that only excludes anybody that isn't on the Gov UK database. So, for example, a private school wouldn't be right. on there. But if that is the case, we add them manually. So they just yeah. need to drop them and we'll add them on. Um, so schools are, are already on there. You choose your local authority and then it gives you every school in that local authority. You can select to represent your own. Um, so schools can absolutely take part and it, you know it's very very simple uh, county fa is the same they'll all be on there but um obviously those that really promote it to their their grassroots clubs will will have people engaging mm. and have you got any any data of like numbers of people signed up and i mean it's always really incredibly difficult to to quantify these things isn't there but is there like an average carb amount of carbon saved or average number of steps people take so off the, I'll give you some stats off the top of my head <laughs> having them in front of me, but I know that we've we've just surpassed 77,000 actions. Um, now, what I will say on that is every action taken, every goal scored on our platform is verified. So if you complete a goal by walking to work or walking to school, you submit a photo along with that action. Oh, so, no way. Yeah. So that might be a selfie. It might be an Apple Watch or Strava or whatever. Yeah, screen yeah. Screen. But that, that just means that because it's competitive. Yes, people can't just go and say they've done everything three times. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So we, we make sure that the competition's fair in that way. Uh, but it also gives us some really cool things to show and, you know, people in football kits doing their, their actions. So, yeah, we've just surpassed 77,000 verified actions. So that's after our VAR platform has disallowed a lot of people <laughs> trying to cheat their way through it. Um, some offside goals, let's say. We've seen... I can't remember off the top of my head the total impact statistic, but, but this is measured off every individual action. So, for example, if I walk two kilometres, I might save 0.3 kilograms. Yes. So it's, you know, you're talking fractions at a time that are added onto this total. But we've got some, some nice totals on there. Uh, I think our most impactful club to date is actually Northampton Town. They've, they've been absolutely incredible. But we've, we've got some great, great clubs that are really throwing a lot at you know, getting the fan base and the community involved in. This. I was going to say, is that is that because they've put some time and effort into getting fans on board, and you know, rather than you guys promoting it to Absolutely. a more general I mean, audience. Ultimately, we can promote it as much as we want, but it's so much more powerful. Coming yeah, from, if it comes. Mm. You know, if 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 a fan has never heard of us, they're not going to hear about us through our platform. They're going to hear about us through their club's platform. So it is it is down to the kind of time, resource and effort that those clubs and community programmes put into it. But we've seen some fantastic stuff going on around the country. And, you know, we're hopefully going to start sharing more and more of those case studies and videos on our, on our social platforms. 
Oh, amazing. We'll look out for those. Um, brilliant. Thank you so much, Rich. Thank you so much for time. I just, I love it. I think it's such a, I don't know if it is unique, but it feels quite unique to me, way of approaching, you know, sustainability and a way of trying to come at it from a different angle and and break out of that bubble, isn't it? Because that I find that so often it's, I feel like I'm in this little echo chamber in this bubble and how do we reach out from that? And this is just such a brilliant, a brilliant way of doing that. And actually, this is probably going to be really stereotypical and really sexist, but in my experience, a lot of the day-to-day sustainability sustainability stuff that happens in the home is um, pushed by the women in the household and actually this is you know yes we've got a really growing um, women's game and all that sort of thing but a lot of yeah I'm sure I don't know what the stats are but I'm sure it's predominantly still a male dominated fan base maybe football I'm being really sexist here but is this this is a great way I think of engaging men in it as well you're absolutely right I mean our our ambition is absolutely we don't want it to be a men's thing we don't want it to open you know this is very much men's women's kids everybody yes and yeah we're trying to do the same in terms of the footballers that we work with in terms of yes we want to work with Premier League Championship men's team but we also want to do the same with, with people from the women's game um but we you know you said about the, the household decisions often being mums and we, we have seen elements of that through our platform um we don't take a lot of data like that unless we send out surveys asking for it in which case it's you know, response rates and things like that. But from those response rates, it is quite often the the female in the household that does make those decisions. But, you know, absolutely, it's, it's a way of trying to engage those different demographics because football is, it's such a broad demographic now of society. It's, it's you know, yes, anybody, yeah, yeah. everybody in, in, in football clubs going through the gates and supporting the game, it's, it's definitely levelling up and, and you know, there's still a way to go, but that, that's what we're trying to achieve is making sure that this is open and accessible to absolutely everybody through football. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So I'll put all those links to everything we've talked about in the show notes. But yeah, this has been absolutely lovely. I, I, I hope everyone else has really enjoyed this as well. I'm sure they will. And I'd love to hear everybody's um, reactions to it. But thank you so much. Thanks, Jen. Great to speak to you. ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old gray matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably do let me know what that is i love to hear about the changes that people are making big or small every single one counts if you've enjoyed the show and i hope you have Do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.